I think any parent is going to grieve that they want their children to be healthy, safe, happy, successful, right? Okay, now we're having a conversation starting from a shared goal. And when you start with a shared goal, it's much easier to get to where you're trying to go. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I have David Hill joining us. He is a hospitalist pediatrician at Goldsboro Pediatrics adjunct assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine, a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council Management Committee, and associate editor of Pediatric Care Online Patient Education for the AAP. He writes and lectures nationally and internationally on pediatric topics, including media use, fatherhood, and family separation. He is the co-author of the new book, Co-Parenting Through Separation and Divorce. David, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on this great book. What spawned this publication? Was it personal experience? Yeah, absolutely. It was personal experience. Uh, my first book, Dad to Dad, Parenting Like a Pro, uh, not my idea for the title, by the way, <laughs> but uh, came about when I was in the middle of functioning as a single parent. Uh, I had gone through a separation and divorce and was working on a remarriage. And uh, I recognized at that time that there were an awful lot of dads out there, including in my pediatric practice, who were trying to function uh, as a sole parent or as a primary parent, and a lot of people functioning as dads who might not necessarily be traditionally thought of as dads, such as grandparents, uncles, uh, you know, two dad families, etc. And I thought, you know, we really need something that speaks to us and provides a comprehensive childcare guide in in the voice that we understand and mm -hmm. you know lets us know, hey, we can do this. And so that was where I started. And then the AAP publishing uh, folks actually approached me and said, you know, we really liked what you did there. Would you be willing to speak directly to families undergoing separation hmm. and divorce? And they paired me up with a writer that I had not known before that, Dr. Jan Blackstone, who is a uh, PsyD. She uh, has worked for 20 years. She just retired in the California family court system as a mediator. And she, like me, had undergone separation, divorce, remarriage, trying to uh, blend a family and uh, has written extensively about it. Uh, she came up with the Bonus Families Movement and had written about six books about this before, as well as a nationally syndicated column. And so when they said, hey, you guys need to talk and see if you can put something together, it, it was fantastic because we had mm. so many experiences in common, so many of the same struggles, and then sort of complementary uh, professional approaches, me coming at it as an MD and her as a PsyD. Oh, that's great. It's a great combination. It actually works really well for this type of topic and yeah. with experience and, and knowledge. And uh, I'm glad that 
the synergies worked out really well. With what you wrote, I mean, let's get into the nitty gritty of, of the topic at hand. I mean, how, how can parents really help their children cope with their new reality? I mean, is there a really a good time to discuss this transitional phase? Well, you know, as soon as it's going on, it's a good kind. But there's also a good way, right? You want to think about the environment. If you are functioning together as a couple well enough to try and have this conversation together, that is a great way to do it. Some people are fortunate enough that they can be in the same room and sort of provide a combined message. That was my personal experience. Uh, sometimes things are too emotional or somebody's going through a really hard thing in life and they're not really available at that time. Uh, and so it may not work out that way. But uh, you really want to think ahead of time before you drop this on your kids how is life going to look for my children and what do they need at their developmental stage? You know, so a young child just needs to understand, hey, we're going to live in different houses and we both love you and you're going to see both of us and you're not going to lose your dog and you're still going to see your friends if that's, you know, fortunate enough to be the case. An older child may have a lot more detailed questions. A teenager may have many more detailed questions. And you want to sort of think those through. Imagine what's going to be the same, what's going to be different. How are we going to keep both parents involved with the child's life? How are we going to get your needs met? And be ready to answer those questions in the moment. Here, though, is what no child needs to know. Uh, Here is everything the other parent did wrong. That is just at no point, at no age, do you need to tell your child what's wrong with the other parent, how they wronged you, what they did that they shouldn't have done? Now, if there are cases where the child already knows that, for example, perhaps a parent has been arrested. Uh, perhaps there, you know, you came home to find somebody there who shouldn't be there or a parent has gone into rehab for something. Well, you're going to have to address that. That's a conversation you're going to have to have. But if there are elements of what went wrong in the relationship and caused the two of you to end up apart, uh, that you just want the child to know so they know how bad that other parent is and that it wasn't your fault, save it. Just save it. They do not need that. What they need is to be able to trust and love both of their parents. And the fact is, we all have flaws, we all have strengths. And over time, children of separation and divorce, or even children in families that are intact, will figure out what each parent's flaws and strengths are. They're going to learn over time who each parent is and what they can come to them for and what they might not be reliable for. And you don't have to, you don't have to set that table for them. They'll find it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually really good information. I mean, I, I have to agree with that because that's the last thing that you want to do is, is to dump all your problems and issues on the child that's suffering right. from, from this divorce or, or separation. And I guess there's, you're going to, even though you're living in, the child's living in, in two different homes, there has to be some sort of co-parenting that takes place. I mean, how, what recommendations do you have for effective ways to co-parent? You know, the first thing you have to do is figure out some way to communicate. Now, I'm very fortunate 
Dr. Blackstone was very fortunate in her situation in that we can sit down in one room and have a conversation with our co-parent. In fact, to this very day, I've still got an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old who go back and forth between the houses. I now live with my with my wife. Uh, and the three of us usually meet in the driveway since COVID. We used to meet, we used to meet inside. Sometimes we'd share a glass of wine uh, around the table, sort of download, you know, here's what happened this week, here's what you need to be looking for in the coming week. Uh, here's something that we talked about that we might have been upset about. Here's what we did about it. Uh, and that, because of COVID, has turned into an outdoor conversation instead mm-hmm. of an indoor conversation. But it's still something that the three of us can do face-to-face. And that's very fortunate. Not everybody has a situation where that's practical. Sometimes, I mean, I've, I've had families in my practice where handoffs had to occur at the police station to avoid a physical altercation, which is really, really tragic. I think that's awful, awful for the kids, Mm. but some people are having a hard time holding it together. But even if that's the case, I mean, even if you have to write a letter and uh, pass it to the other parent or agree it's going to be an email or a text or, you know, somehow you have to communicate. And there are a couple of ways not to communicate. Do not make your child the go-between. You know, be sure and tell your dad when you get over there that you need your baseball uniform washed, you know, because kids are kids. Maybe they're going to forget. Maybe the parent's not going to hear. Maybe they don't get everything right. I know mom said there was some laundry that needed to be done. I forget what it was. Right. And now the kid is in the middle. You're going to have to be an adult in some fashion and uh, carry this information directly. Don't go through the child to do it. They've got enough to worry about just taking care of themselves. So grow up and, and, you know, communicate in some fashion, if you at all can. Uh, Another thing to do is to try and find places where you agree. I think any parent is going to agree that they want their children to be healthy, safe, happy, successful, right? So even if the two of you are in a place where you can agree on almost nothing, you can probably start with, boy, we want our kids to be okay, right? Now, you may have different definitions of what that look like. You know, one of you may think playing video games all night is a great idea and the other may not. So now you can get down to details, right? But if you can start at a place where we say, you know, I want our children to thrive. I want them to be well Uh, I want them to have friends. I want them to do well at school. I want them to explore whatever makes them happy. Okay, now we're having a conversation starting from a shared goal. And when you start with a shared goal, it's much easier to get to where you're trying to go. Yeah, that's that brings another point that I wanted to ask when obviously you and your ex-wife are in good terms, but when the separation or divorce is new and it's filled with emotions on both sides, how are you able to communicate with each other in a heightened emotional state? You know, obviously the, the child's best interest is suffering. I mean, how do you like get rid of those emotions and tap into the logical portion of your mind and move forward in a positive way? You know, I'm a huge fan of mindfulness meditation and other meditative practices, but 
One of the keys to all mindfulness is recognizing that you really don't have that much attentional bandwidth, right? So if I'm really going to focus on my breathing or the way it feels to sit in this chair or the sounds in the room around me or, or what I smell right now, it doesn't actually leave a lot of room to focus on what I'm worried about or what I'm angry about. That's really, you know, that's that's the magic of mindfulness is you just don't have enough mental bandwidth to think of 20 things at once. So you can be selective in what you pay attention to. And I encourage parents, we do in the book, to pay attention to your vision for that child. Now, other things are going to come into your head, right? That's what happens when you meditate. Stuff comes in. I have bills to pay. I haven't figured out what to eat for dinner yet. I, you know, I'm uncomfortable in this position, whatever. And things are going to come into your head. You're going to be like, ah, oh, that, that jerk, I can't believe what he did. Or he's out there having fun and I'm working so hard or, or, you know, you're going to have those thoughts. And the key is to give those away for a little while and just focus on this is what our child needs to be well. Right now, you know, our child needs some books for school. We're going to have to figure out how to get those. Uh, you know, right now, with a lot of people not going to school in school, maybe our child needs a tablet computer uh, that she can use to study, or maybe she needs a quiet place. So let's just focus on solving the problem. And when you get tempted to move off of the problem at hand into everything else that you want to say, you just have to bring it back to the problem. For example, you know, we agreed on a drop-off at 5, and now it's 5.20, and now my dinner is going to be late. You can be all about, you know, I really hope that we can get our drop-offs on time. Tell me what happened over there. Did you did you need to gather the stuff? Was, was there laundry that needed to be dried? You know, did you forget a shoe? Did somebody call? Or... You can go to, oh my gosh, you're always late. This is something I hate about you. I always have. You never get anywhere on time. You're not going to solve a problem by going to that second place. Yeah, it's you're less not reactive and be proactive, right? Yeah, exactly. So stick with the thing and leave that other stuff aside for another day. Yeah, I think that's that's probably also good advice for just in general. Oh yeah, <laughs> when we're having conversations or arguments with other people, I mean, it's just a great way to to, to live life. And also with these situations, you know, we tend to think the worst, right? So we don't know what condition or you know what the experiences the child has at the ex's home. You know, you want to know and make sure that that child is safe at your exes. I mean, how right. how do you go about doing so without being so, you know, over the top about it? Yeah. This is uh, back to communicating in a calm and direct way with the other parent and find out what happened. Jan tells this amazing story, just, just a hilarious story in the book of a patient uh, that she was counseling, you know, a couple uh, a couple who came to her for mediation. And the mother was incredibly upset because the child came back and said that she caught dad sleeping with his girlfriend. 
And mom's like, oh my gosh, she's sleeping with her right in front of my child. You know, she immediately matted that they're probably naked. They're probably having intercourse, right? And uh, when she went to the drop-off and addressed it, uh, dad's like, oh yeah, yeah, we fell asleep on the couch watching television. And, you know, she walked in in the morning and we were still asleep on the couch. So that's not at all what she thought was going on, right? So before you, you know, run to the worst case scenario, Go to the other parent and say, you know, my child, our child told me something that concerned me a little bit. You know, what was really going on? Now, it may be that what was really going on was something that was very concerning. And if that's the case, well, you're going to have to address that. Mm -hmm. But uh, be aware that the story you get from the child is, is, you know, it's a game of telephone. And before you absolutely hit the ceiling and lose it and, you know, start to call your lawyer and the cops and DSS on the other parent, first go and try to find out what that parent's side of the story is. And it mm-hmm. may not be nearly as upsetting as you thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And another thing I wanted to share an experience, actually, I have a really good friend of mine who is um, recently separating um, from his wife. And um, they've been married for, I don't know, 17, 18 years or so. And they have a daughter. She's, I think she's 12 or 13 ish. And um, so they have 50 50 custody. So um, it's split equally. But the issue that came out recently when the joint custody was awarded was how do you split vacations and time? You know, there was an argument about my friend who had her for a week during the summer vacation. And it was around the same time that his ex wife's birthday was. And there was an argument about, who gets the child when, you know, what's the best Uh way to go about this discussion? Because it can also trigger some emotions. Yeah. You know, there are so many ways to address that so that it's a win-win. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love negotiation. I think it's fascinating. And so when you come to a negotiating table, what this is, it's a negotiation, right? I have a thing that I want. It's important to me to have my child with me this entire week during the summer. I made plans. I was excited about it. And uh, I see that your birthday is coming up and you really want her with you on your birthday because you're going to be sad if she's not. So what else can you bring to the table? If you bring it down to a zero-sum game, you know, you lose, I win, or vice versa, it's going to be really hard to find a way around it, right? I mean, you just say, look, this is what our custody agreement says. We signed it. We both agreed to this. That's that. Right. I mean, that's one way. Usually there's a custody agreement in place for these things, but there are other ways. There is saying, you know, I know how important it is for you to have her on your birthday, and I really want to make that happen for you. I noticed that we didn't really address Father's Day, and I'm going to be really sad if she's not with me on Father's Day. Can we talk about that? Right. I mean, there are a lot of other things you can bring to the table if you're going to get creative. And as you do that, you sort of build a stronger working relationship. And, you know, you, you may be really upset with what happened and really upset with the other person, but you might still find a place where you can come to this as a business relationship, really, and say, okay, how do we, how do we enlarge the pie? How do you get more you want? more of what you want and I get more of what I want. And, uh, you know, if you're a good negotiator, you should be able to come away from the table with something that makes you pretty happy. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that would hold true for making preparations for the holidays. 
Yeah, and usually holidays are addressed in a custody agreement. So that's part of what custody agreements are for, are mm-hmm. to hash out who's where, when. Is it practical for kids to spend a half day in one home and a half day in another home? Or do you switch off holidays? Or, you know, maybe if you celebrate different holidays, you know, you're like, look, I'm going to have the kids for Hanukkah and Rosh Hashanah and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever other holiday you want to name and you get Christmas because what do I care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different ways to, to look at that, but that's when the attorneys or attorney or mediator gets together and you sort of decide what's important to you and also what's important to the child, mm-hmm. right? Again, you want what you want, but sometimes you have to say, you know, this child has always woken up in this house on Christmas and you're going to have that house. So you know what? You always get Christmas morning, and I'm okay with that. Right. Uh, You know, think about the child. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or BooksAmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to Amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. And I guess the, the most difficult question, but the most pressing question to you in this discussion that we're having is essentially... What do you really advise in terms of acclimating your child if there's someone new in your ex's life? Right. So that acclimation really needs to happen on the ex's side, but that's a thing that you can talk about, hopefully, with the ex. But if you are the person bringing a new person into your child's life, I think the first thing to know is that this really should not be a revolving door. Children in separation divorce have two hopes that are opposing but coexisting. One is that their parents are going to reunite. They never give up hope that somehow things are going to go back to the way they were, even if in your mind they were really awful. They were what the child knew as normal. So children are going to want you to get back together. At the same time, they want a family. So if somebody new comes in, they're going to be wondering, is this going to be my new mom? Is this going to be my new dad? Uh, How am I going to relate to them? Are they going to be nice? Are they going to be mean? Are they going to care for me? Are they not going to like me? And that bonding experience that kids go through naturally, if you bring a new significant other into the home, is really powerful. 
Mm-hmm. And if they have to go through mourning again because that relationship doesn't work, mm-hmm. you really want to minimize the number of times you put them through that. Now, it may be inevitable a couple of times. You may have a couple of very serious relationships that still don't end up working out. That happens. But what you don't want is to introduce your child to every single person that you you know meet on Tinder and comes over to pick you up for a date, right? They're going to be like, who is this? Are they important? Uh, try and figure out outside of the home and outside of the family how important this person is going to be before you introduce them to the child. Mm-hmm. And that includes having a really frank discussion about what parenting looks like to you. Uh, some examples as a pediatrician, if I were dating somebody and I found out that they smoked, I might have real problems with that person being around my children because they're going to expose them to third-hand smoke. If I had a discussion about parenting with somebody I was dating and they're like, oh yeah, if you don't smack a kid sometimes, they're going to get mouthy. That would be an enormous red flag to me. I'd be like, you know what? I'm a pediatrician. I cannot raise my children in a household where they're where they're going to be spanked. We think that that's really counterproductive. Uh, you know, so you need to talk about those values ahead of time and really find those red flags and either address them or move on and only introduce your children to people that you think have a very high likelihood of becoming really important in all of your lives. And then when you do that, give them some time to figure out how they feel about that and give that person some time to figure out how they feel about it because those dynamics are going to evolve. That person's going to be on their best behavior for weeks or a month or two. Oh, I love kids. I love your kids. Until one of your kids, you know, vomits on their shoes. And then you're going to see how they feel about a child vomiting on their shoes or throwing a fit in the grocery store. You know, you're going to have to let things get rough before you really know how that other person's going to respond. And so give that time. Right. And talking from, you know, doctor to doctor here, um, a lot of these kids who are going through this transitional phase, they may act out. Some kids, depending on their personality, may just keep everything internally. But yet, both sides, they could manifest some sort of diagnoses, if we will, or health issues could be manifesting. What are some things that parents should look out for in their kids if they're acting out or if they're, you know, if suddenly they see their children not eating? I mean, yeah. are these common conditions that the parents should be looking out for? Well, I think they are common, but they also deserve to be addressed in a really proactive way. To begin with, you know, I'm I'm both a doctor and a dad, which means I love to fix, right? You're like that. We mm-hmm. we do this because we 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 want to make things better. We want to fix things. We want to fix people. And for that reason, I find it especially hard to give my kids space to be upset. That's that's so difficult, especially when you feel like maybe it was your fault. You know, maybe I contributed to this separation or divorce in some way. And now I have caused my child to go through one of the worst things they could possibly endure. And I want to make it better now. I want to hug them and kiss them and let them know that they're okay and let them know that I love them and see them smile. And I want them to give me a hug and say, dad, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. Right? Well, I may not get that. Mm -hmm. I may not get that. That's really probably unrealistic. There are 
going to be upset and they're going to be upset for a while and they're going to be upset with me for a while. And I'm going to have to allow space for that. I'm just going to have to let that be the case and say, Hey, I love you. I see that you're upset. I get why you would be upset. That makes sense to me. I see what you're expressing here and I don't blame you. You know, if you could not kick the door in, that would be really good because doors are expensive. You know, we're, we're not going to throw things, but I, I please, you know, if you need to scream and, you know, stomp around, scream and stomp around. I get that. Uh, that said, you do want to be on the lookout for flares of mental health problems because this is a tremendous stress. So you want to look for signs of depression, of anxiety, and really seek help if you see those. Uh, grades are falling off. Uh, you know, as a pediatrician, one of the things that I treat in the outpatient setting very frequently is ADHD. Uh, but that presents as this kid's not doing great at school. And before I just look at the scores on the sheet of paper mom filled out, teacher filled out, say, oh, yeah, look, you got this score, you have ADHD, here's your medicine, I really owe it to everybody to say, tell me what's going on at home. What are the stresses? Because, you know, if parents just separated or divorced, I'm not going to expect a kid to be totally tuned into school. They're going to be upset. They're going to be distracted. And, you know, they did great until fifth grade and all of a sudden they fell off a cliff when the parents separated. That doesn't want a stimulant medication. That wants counseling. That wants therapy. I'm not treating the right thing if I just, you know, say, here's your stimulants, you know, talk to me in 30 days. Uh, so we have to be aware of those signs and go get help. Go get you know, if you can find any sort of therapy, there's more and more online options in this in this time of COVID. Start with your pediatrician. They usually they have dealt with this before. They know what the resources are. Uh, really try and find somebody who can help your child be okay, and ask how are you feeling? What's going on? Uh, and don't be afraid to ask scary questions. Scary for you. How are you angry with me? Because it would make sense if you were. Do you feel like you caused this? Because most children do, regardless of how silly that seems to you as a parent. Uh, you know you didn't do this. There's nothing that you could have done. This is not your fault. Repeat that. You know, do you feel okay being alive? Are there times you don't want to be alive? Ask some scary questions. And if the answer is scary, get help. Hmm. Wonderful information and advice. I appreciate you coming on to this show, David. For our listeners, how can they find your book online? And uh, if they wanted to reach out and find more information about you or had any questions, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, so uh, for the book, it is widely available. They can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or the American Academy of Pediatrics, Books a Million, and look for Co-Parenting Through Separation and Divorce, Putting Your Children First. Uh, I do all sorts of things in addition to that, so if they would like to learn more about what I'm up to, they can start with Dr. David Hill, D-O-C-T-O-R, davidhill.com and uh, see about speaking engagements, other writing, podcasting, etc. Awesome. David, thanks again. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate this conversation and uh, thanks for addressing this difficult subject today. You're welcome. <laughs> 